More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We power through the Tuesday edition of the program. We are joined now by a guest who has done a ton over the past two years, almost more than anyone in the media, to shine a light on January 6th and how much of a sham portions of, substantial portions of the story surrounding January 6th have been. She is Julie Kelly, senior writer at American Greatness, author of January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the political right. You've been writing about this for two years now. How much vindication, validation, and just sheer finally reaction did you have to seeing Tucker Carlson's report last night showing much of the footage from behind January 6th that has been covered up? Uh, well, thank you so much for having me on. And I do have to say it was very gratifying as a reporter who, to your point, has been covering this issue for two years, but more importantly, since May of 2021, um, you know, revealing the existence of these tapes, the 14,000 hours, now it's 44,000, but demanding the release of this video. So that was very gratifying. But I have to say, I was more um, relieved and happy for the January 6th defendants and their families and their attorneys, um, because concealing all of this video, uh, not just from the American people, but from the people who are charged who need this evidence as exculpatory um, to to defend themselves against this ruthless Department of Justice. Um, I hope that this is just one part of the progress in getting all of that video in the hands of the defendants and their attorneys. Julie, um, they, they're claiming that this was available i'm sure you've seen some of this now right there's a lot of different one of the challenges we have whenever the truth starts to come out is the other side rallies a whole bunch of different either you know counterattacks explanations that rely on misdirection or just additional fabrication i've seen some claims that oh the defense attorneys had access to this before 
But is that, I mean, it, what is the accuracy of that? I also would wonder, how is a, how is a public defender going to go through thousands and thousands of hours of video? Right. So the, the media spin and the Democrats, and I'm sure you thought Chuck Schumer even go to the uh, yeah, we played audio of, of that Senate. in the first hour on the show, Julie, of uh, Chuck Schumer on the Senate floor ridiculing Tucker for sharing this footage. Right. So there is not a single defense attorney who will confirm what the media is saying. And that is that this entire platform, this trove of video has been made available. In fact, I just posted on Twitter from January of this year, two years later. Uh, that the government admits it is still producing global discovery. So that means discovery that pertains to the entire case and the entire prosecution, not just case-specific evidence. So what's happening is the DOJ are producing very uh, tight, brief, cherry-picked clips. They enter those, that, those clips in evidence, either for pretrial detention hearings or sentencing or at trial. Those clips are under protective orders. People, the defendants have to sign off on protective orders. So there's very tight rules as to how the defendants can view this evidence, especially if they're incarcerated under pretrial detention orders, um, and then how defense attorneys can use it. So, you know, this is a hide and seek game that the government's been playing for two years. House Democrats, though, have this entire trove, the 44 hour, the 44,000 hours which represents the entire 24-hour period of January 6th. They've had that for two years. They could have released this to whomever they wanted, but they have also been complicit in concealing very likely exculpatory evidence from defendants. This is a constitutional crisis. This violates so many um, constitutional rights. Um, And the judges on the D.C. District Court, I have to tell you, they're the real villains here. Because they've been watching this unfold, they've allowed it to happen, they have not protected the due process rights of these defendants. There are so many bad guys in this, but I have to point to especially the judges who've let this continue. Julie, you've talked about the fact that many people have just let these January 6th political prisoners be left to their own devices. Very few people are drawing attention to them. I don't know what the number is, but a lot of these guys, mostly men, were held in solitary confinement for months before their trial was going on. What do we know about who's still being held, basically, as a political prisoner, and how does the release of this footage change the pressure uh, that might be on these cases? So it's a little bit harder to tell now, um, Buck, who is under pretrial detention, who's been sentenced, who's taken plea deals. The government just bragged DOJ this week that they have a thousand total defendants. More than half have accepted plea deals. Um, and so it's kind of hard to tell who's in pretrial, who hasn't been. But I can safely say that over a hundred defendants at one point have been denied bail and kept some now approaching two years, if you can believe it. I mean, that's um, insane. Wait, yes. wait, so that means that there's, you're telling us there are still people who are being held? Oh, yes. There are people, there are um, members of the, the Proud Boys who face seditious conspiracy charges. Only one has a violent charge against him, breaking a window. The others have no violent charges, none. Not assaulting police officers, not bringing a weapon, vandalism, nothing. They have been held behind bars for two years. One of them, more than two years. Their trial is going on right now in Washington, D.C. 
They were in jail almost two years before they even got jury selection. There is another man, William Cressman, who has been in the D.C. Gulag since January of 2021. He doesn't even have a trial date yet. So these are just a few examples of the, as I say, constitutional crisis. What's happening because there's a special set of rules, Clay and Buck, that the chief judge of the D.C. District Court outlined early on how judges and the government could determine who would be denied bail, who wouldn't. And it's strictly based on their involvement in this four-hour disturbance on January 6th. Um, They are political prisoners. I consider all of them political prisoners, even those who were found guilty at trial, outrageous sentences being handed down. I mean, months in prison for parading in the Capitol, a low-level Class B misdemeanor, this never happened before. Um, and so the well, idea- Can I ask, Julie, well, whatever happened to the right, I'm pretty sure we have one, to the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Whatever happened to that? That, that? This is not, no one thinks this is speedy. This wouldn't be speedy in the Soviet Union. Uh, it wouldn't. I mean, I think Putin is looking in, in uh, with envy at what is happening in our nation's capital, judicial and legal system. Um, and so, yes, the speedy trial clock keeps getting told. They keep exempting time from it because here's the trick DOJ uses. They supersede indict people, which means they add charges or they add defendants. So this forces the uh, defendants, the defense attorneys to basically start from scratch. Um, because they wanted to delay a lot of these trials. They wanted, for example, the Oath Keepers trial to coincide with the midterm elections in the January 6th committee, which is exactly what happened. We haven't even talked about that, uh, that conflict of interest. Um, but the, the judges are nothing more than a rubber stamp for this DOJ. They are the ones who are allowing this to happen. So the Speedy Trial Act means nothing. Presumption of innocence means nothing. Uh, simply because they protested Joe Biden's election, uh, they are considered domestic terrorists. That's what this FBI has said. So, Julie, where do we go from here? So Tucker presumably is going to show more footage tonight. And what I said was uh, in the first hour, essentially we had a show trial, right? The prosecution, that is the January 6th committee members, got to come out with no opposition and make their case on why January 6th was, as Karine Jean-Pierre and others in the administration have said it, including Joe Biden, the most dangerous threat to our democracy since the Civil War. I mean, that is legitimately what they've tried to argue. And now what Tucker is doing in some sense is providing the defense, right? The further context, hey, QAnon shaman was not actually the most dangerous human being on the planet January 6th. Uh, the Brian Sicknick was not pummeled to death by protesters. In fact, here's video of him continuing to move throughout the Capitol to prove that he didn't die on that day from attack from January 6th, uh, 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 trespassers. Where do we go from here? Like, what is the next step in your mind now that we've effectively gotten at least some form of the counter narrative out there? So two things are going to happen. One, you already see defense attorneys filing emergency motions in court asking a judge to demand this extended um, trove of footage, the 44,000 hours. They want to see all of that to see what other exculpatory evidence there could be, like we saw in Jacob Chansley's case. 
The next step is if the judges won't step up, which they won't, I've watched this court for two years in horror, is for Congress then, House Republicans, who technically own that footage, even though it belongs to Capitol Police, they're part of the legislative branch, that's their boss, Kevin McCarthy, is then to make sure that this is accessible in some ways to the defense attorneys, that they can produce clips and that the government has withheld uh, and then they can enter those to either, you know, drop cases, dismiss counts, release people from jail, uh, but certainly to be used in any sort of plea agreement or uh, jury trial. Julie, do you think it would make sense? Uh, and, and I'm using this example just because I do think this is such a voluminous amount of data in the WikiLeaks trove. Right. The idea was let's put everything out there and we'll allow individuals to go through it. In your mind, is there a benefit? Much of this 44,000 hours is basically empty rooms, right? Because it's 24 right. hours. Like, we're, I don't know how many total hours of, uh, you know, I would say relevant uh, data there is. But would it make sense to you for the House Republicans, once Tucker is through and has done his reports and has pulled stuff out, to just put all this available online so that the American public, regardless of their political persuasions, could have access and go watch? I absolutely do, and I hope that somewhere down the road that that is going to happen. But you already see Capitol Police pushing back today. You had the police chief come out and say that the clips were misrepresented, that police officers were not escorting Jacob Chansley. Like, we're supposed to not believe our own eyes. So this will be a huge battle to get the relevant segments, as you said, uploaded onto a platform. But we really need to get that done. And I will say for those who wanted that done immediately, you see why it was smart for Tucker to do this. If you flooded the zone with a bunch of random clips, very yeah. few people understand this issue as carefully as, say, I do or Tucker or a handful of journalists. You flood the zone, it has no impact. This is a surgical strike. by. This Tucker. is honestly, sorry to cut you off, Julie, but that's one of the problems with the Twitter files, I think, has been the way yeah. that they've distributed them. They haven't gotten the pickup that I think they've deserved. Right. I think that that was sort of, um, you know, illustrative of how things can just get watered down. That's exactly what would have happened if this would have been made available, even to people like me. Surgical strike, huge impact. The panic in Washington and in the news media, and I have to believe that the Department of Justice uh, is is palpable. So this is why it was so smart to give this to Tucker, his team, so professional, they know this issue. They know what to look for. And that's why, you know, what happened last night. And there's there's more to come tonight. Julie, I just want to ask, uh, I meant to ask you this earlier. The uh, D.C. jury pool is obviously <laughs> ferociously hostile to anybody involved in or, or, you know, accused of involvement in January 6th in any capacity, even the people that were just kind of walking around with fanny packs on taking selfies. But have the judges just effectively denied all requests for anyone who has actually gone to trial for a change of venue has that been their their mo it just seems it just seems like the most most basic fairness would would require them to move this out of dc because they can't get a fair jury trial great question the first trial was one year ago march of 2022 since that time doj has about a 99 percent conviction rate in jury trials uh, every single judge has denied numerous occasions on numerous motions, denied change of venue motions, even though they know how highly partisan the city is, 
how differently they take the events of January 6th than any other city. We have surveys that show that. There's data that shows Google searches related to January 6th that show, you know, this huge heat map in the nation's capital versus the rest of the country where no one really cared. Um, You know, I was just at the Proud Boys trial. You have um, at least seven jurors who admitted to participating in left-wing demonstrations, whether it was anti-gun, BLM, the Women's March, not a single one participated in a conservative demonstration, but yet the judges are convinced or they've convinced themselves or they're in on it because it's so rigged. They know they want these guilty verdicts, especially the judges who have kept men in pretrial detention. They want to be exonerated. So if you've kept defendants like the Proud Boys in jail for two years of pretrial detention on conspiracy charges, you want them convicted because it exonerates you for the torture you've inflicted on these men. So they have a solid investment in guilty verdicts. I'm telling you, it is the most twisted thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm not an attorney, but I never thought our system of justice would work uh, the way that it is in our nation's capital which should be the sterling example of how America's justice system should operate. And it is a banana republic. Julie, you are absolutely killing it. We appreciate all the work you're doing, and we'll continue to have you on to update us with the latest on this Jan 6 mess. Thanks for uh, helping to cover my work from the very beginning. You guys really appreciate it. No doubt at all. Julie Kelly, she has killed it. And as you well know, Life can be unpredictable. How many of you out there in California right now don't have power? How many of you up in Michigan? How about down in my home state of Tennessee? The weather's been crazy. Sometimes you think you got enough food. Weather gets you knocked out. There's still people buried up in California. They can barely get out. Do you have food to be able to take care of your family? Because if you lose power, a large percentage of your food, you're not going to be able to eat. Well, if you got My Patriot Supply, you can give your family food security. I've got Five different My Patriot Supply kits inside of our house. One for me, one for my wife, one for each of our kids. We're taken care of. Three months worth of emergency food kits. That will last for years. You don't have to worry about it. You probably have home insurance, life insurance, health insurance. Why not have food insurance? And right now, if you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, you will get a $200 bonus gift coming free with each three-month emergency food kit you order. So everybody in the family is fully prepared. I've got five of them in my house. You should have one for each member of your family as well. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Free shipping to MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it for yourself and your family while you're thinking about it today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Chalk up a win for Team Reality. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. 
Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We're going to be talking to our friend Carol Markowitz in just a few minutes here about her new book that's out, which goes to the brainwashing of children in schools with leftist madness, the indoctrination that is underway, the crazy stuff you keep seeing in these school systems and how... They go back and forth. The gaslighting they engage in, the Democrats, the left, oh, we're not doing that to, okay, fine, you found enough of it that we'll admit we're doing it and it's a good thing. The cycle continues over and over again, Clay. We'll talk to Carol about that and her new book in just uh, a couple minutes. If you own a small business, you appreciate the value of time. GetRefunds.com does as well. That's why they've made it easy, no matter how busy you are, to apply for the Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. Go to GetRefunds.com to get started. In less than eight minutes, you'll see if your business qualifies for ERC assistance. Your business could be eligible for a payroll tax refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on payroll during COVID-19. GetRefunds.com has already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They may be able to help your business, too. There's no upfront charge, either. They don't get paid until your business gets its refund. Many businesses... Many businesses believe they won't qualify based off incomplete or outdated information, so don't let this opportunity pass you by. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited time. Business owners, trust me on this one. Go check it out. Go to GetRefunds.com. Answer a few questions. See if you qualify. It could be a big win for you. 
GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the Tuesday edition of the program. We are joined now by our friend Carol Markowitz, who has a book that came out, comes out today, doesn't it? Um, today. The book, yeah, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Co-writer Bethany Mandel. Uh, I believe you are in Texas right now. If I remember correctly, your husband is a Dallas Cowboy fan. Is it just a reminder of how much the Cowboys stink and are never going to win anything when you're in Texas? Um, well, I like seeing the you know Cowboys paraphernalia everywhere. That's really a good time. And you know, I I, I think they're going to win something next year. Actually, 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 I don't think they are. But in all seriousness, <laughs> congratulations on this book. We know you live Thank in you. Florida. You've been coming on the show for a couple of years now with us. Um, how happy are you? Because I always like to start with this. For people out there who have kids, uh, how much better is your family's life in Florida than it was in New York so far? So it's really immeasurable. I'm so much happier with every aspect of our family life in Florida. My kids go to schools where I don't have to worry as much about wokeism being you know, targeted to them. And I don't have to worry as much about them being indoctrinated. Having said all that, in our book, we really cover that just because you live in a red state or a red city or a red town in a red enclave and you think that you're safe, you're not. This is coming for all of our kids. This indoctrination is happening all over the country. And while I feel a lot more peace than I did living in deep, deep, deep blue Brooklyn, I still am on alert and I still know that I have to watch out for what my kids are getting in school, what they're getting at all different kinds of activities, even what they're getting at the pediatrician's office. Hey, Carol, it's Buck. So do you go through the various stages in the book? I mean, how, how do you structure the indoctrination process so everybody understands? Because it seems yeah. like one thing we've just noticed from the media and and from people like Libs of TikTok and uh, Chris Rufo and the the actual information, the video and, and curricula that are being exposed is that they're they're going after kids in a younger and younger ages to try right. to get their their neurons and their circuits uh, pointing in a certain direction. Exactly. And why we wanted to write Stolen Youth was because we saw so many books about the targeting of college students and, you know, the targeting of, of, of employees at corporations, but nothing that described how early this was happening. So the way we structure it, we open with a history chapter on totalitarian societies of the past and the way that they targeted children for indoctrination and the way that they separated families. And they made sure to keep things secret from parents. And so we trace this leftism that has gripped our society and the way that it's gripped societies in the past and how it's implemented through force. And then we talk about COVID has a chapter in the book and about how that was the awakening of a lot of parents to, to really what was going on. And then we focus on schools or institutions, licensing agencies, all the ways that all of these people are talking with one voice, one way to describe, one way to think about anything, one way to speak about anything. You know, you can't be not racist, right? You have to be anti-racist. And just saying, no, I'm not racist is nowhere near enough anymore. So it's very Soviet, the way that they demand this spectacle of all of us. And so many people are just willing to go along with it. But there's real danger to what they're doing. And there's real danger specifically to children over what they're doing. Carol, Buck and I were talking, and I'm sure you saw this controversy and have been following it, this whole drag show thing. And I don't know mm -hmm. whether you touch on it in the book or not, 
But when I watch yeah. these videos, what I am seeing is white moms overwhelmingly seem interested in taking their young daughters, maybe young sons as well, to these drag shows. And there's almost right. no men, by and large. Like, it's all, like, it feels like moms at brunch. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Because as a dad, I sit back and say, and Buck and I talked about it, like, if I took one of my boys to, like, an actual strip show or, like, a right. pasty show with a with a legitimate <laughs> woman, it. like, dancing around in high heels and a thong and, like, pasties, uh-huh. one, my wife would probably kill me. Two, I really think that I might get prosecuted as a dad for bringing right. a child to an event like that. How has this gotten yeah. so mainstream, and what do you think the moms who overwhelmingly seem to be involved, it seems like white suburban moms, mm-hmm. what are they thinking here? Isn't it interesting that if you did that, um, you would get in trouble? And obviously, like, let's say you're the kind of crazy parent to do that. Would you take a video of it and put it on your social media and be like, look, Carol, I'm if I took I'm, if I took know? one of my boys to a <laughs> like, you know, like strip type show, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I, I really think that I would get charged with a crime and get arrested. Right. But I would also not even contemplate it because it's such a crazy thing to do as a parent, yet it's become normalized. Absolutely. I just, I really don't understand it, what these women are thinking. So it's interesting because they use the LGBT, you know, plus plus thing as cover. Um, it, when you look at like the porn books that keep getting discovered in, in school libraries, they're always on the LGBT theme. It's like, it's somehow they don't think that this is, um, you know, that this has the same kind of connotations as, as straight performances. Of course, you would never allow a woman to grind up on your child. But for some reason, because it's a man dressed in drag, that should be okay. I think that so much of this is the conformist push from the left to be like, we are okay with this. If you're not okay with this, maybe you're not part of our we. And that kind of in-group thinking is really powerful. People really want to be part of the in-group. And so when you see these women taking their kids, they just want to belong. That's what I think. I think that they're saying that we do this now, we're okay with this, and if you're not, you're not in the in-group. So uh, we talk a lot about conformity and stolen youth. We talk a lot about the the way it's forced on people, that conformity. But some people conform easier than others, and some people want to belong so badly that they'll do this kind of thing to their children. Speaking to Carol Markowitz, co-author of Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And, of course, give our regards, uh, Carol, to Bethany Mandel, your your co-author, who's done a great job on this book. Um, The teachers' unions. Do, do you go after yeah. do you go after those commie evildoers as well? I'm just wondering, <laughs> like, do, like, does that because it, it feels like to me they're the they're the political muscle that gives cover to the most lunatic indoctrination measures that are happening in the schools. Absolutely. And so throughout COVID, the thing that I would say about the teachers unions is like they're not particularly strong. It's that the politicians are weak. So it, it's that they prey on these weak politicians who don't stand up for children and don't stand up for the right thing. And they force them to do the right, you know, what they want. And this isn't only Democrats, you know, like I, I think, um, Maryland, Maryland's governor was Republican and he really didn't stand up for kids at all. Uh, these people are, are, are forcing their way into our, kids lives and the fact that people are letting it happen you can't really just hold the teachers unions accountable just them anymore it has to be all the people who are giving them power all the politicians who don't do the right thing and all the like school administrators who continue to listen to these people you can have your own opinion and say no i'm not doing this and the one thing i want to really point out to people 
is that this leftism, this wokeism is deeply unpopular. They have to do it through force because there's no other way to do it. And they have to do it through secrecy and they have to make sure that parents don't know what's really going on. You know, I like to say they don't run on a let's get porn in the school library you know, platform because they know that parents won't like that. So they have to do it in secrecy. And the reason for our book, we wanted to write Stolen Youth that, so that people will not have the excuse to be like, I didn't know. I didn't hear about this. I wasn't sure. You know, it's happening. You have to fight it. Carol, I think you nailed the answer about what these moms are thinking on uh, going to these transgender uh, shows, mm-hmm. this uh, this sort of craziness. One thing that I wonder, and I think this is something that we can all do a better job talking about, this concept of banned books, and Buck and I have been hammering it, but I think it'll make sense to you as a parent as well. When a movie is rated R, we don't say the movie is banned because it isn't. It's just not appropriate for all ages to consume. I think this is one of the things that Florida has to push back, you know, executives and everybody else, but also people in, in our world. It's actually totally normal to decide what is age appropriate for your child. And the way that banned is being defined, it's as Mm -hmm. if the book is being taken off the shelves and burned and torn away, which is actually what left-wingers want to do. Everybody I hear is just saying, hey, there is a time to learn about sexuality. It's just not when you're six, (laughs) right? I mean, in the same way, and and everybody understands it in the concept of movies because most six-year-olds don't go to R-rated movies, but we don't say they're banned from the R-rated movie. That's right. But that's really giving these people the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to be honest about it. And I I don't see a lot of evidence that they are. They know these books are inappropriate. They know what's being pulled out of the libraries in Florida is are deeply inappropriate. So when you have these arguments, it's always like that's not really happening. And then you're like, here, you know, are 10 examples of pornographic books in school libraries. It is actually happening. And they're like, well, that's a really small percentage of all the books, you know, of of all the schools in in Florida. And so obviously this is crazy. There's there's no the, the argument keeps shifting because they know they're in the wrong here if they and and it goes for so many things if they would just say okay no pornographic books in school libraries and and that would be it we would just pull the pornographic books and that's it if they would just say a lot of these teenage girls who declare themselves trans are just going through a phase and we shouldn't do anything about it we shouldn't be giving them puberty blockers or anything like that 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 crisis would be mitigated but they won't do that because the the ideology comes first and the ideology says that if conservatives want it absolutely we have to fight tooth and nail to keep it and it's a really damaging way to treat children. And so in Stolen Youth, we go through all the different ways that this is happening throughout society. And it's not just in schools. It's it's everywhere. When you go to your pediatrician's office and you say that, like, you know, my kid is having some gender questions, the pediatrician has only one line that they're allowed to deliver to you. And that's to absolutely um, confirm that that child is probably trans and and that and to affirm their new identity. And that's a crazy way to behave. And no normal society should be accepting this. The book is Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Go Google it. Go Pick up your copy of Stolen Youth by Carol Markowitz and Bethany Mandel. Carol, our friend and fantastic author. Thank you so much, Thanks for being with us. Great to talk to you. Thank you. There are so many very powerful and often ruthless advocates for what they term reproductive health, but not nearly as many voices out there that you're going to hear in the media for the life of an unborn child. But there is an organization working overtime to help unborn children come into this world Preborn network clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies' lives. They've done this by offering women care and support when faced with the incredibly important decision of whether or not to see a pregnancy through. 
Preborn provides free ultrasounds, giving these women a chance to meet their unborn child. That moment is often so powerful, so important for them. And so many women choose life a majority of the time, in fact, after their visit to a preborn clinic because they have that connection, that godly connection between mother and child through an ultrasound experience. These ultrasounds are free for all of these women because of you, the pro-life community in this audience. You've made donations up to this point, tax-deductible ones, to help them pay and rescue babies. And there's more. I know many of you out there can either give for a second time or you can give for your first. And whatever you can spare can really help here. $28 for an ultrasound. That's all it costs for an ultrasound. Preborn has made it their mission to help women and unborn babies when they're most vulnerable, giving them another option that the loud voices out there just don't want them to hear. Please, if you can, make a donation today. $28 will be a full ultrasound. If you can give more than that, fantastic. If you can give 500 if you can give 1000 it is tax deductible, and you're helping to save babies' lives. You can do this all on your phone. It's very easy. Just dial pound 250 and say baby. That's pound 250, say baby. Or to donate online, that's what I've done, go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your CNB 24-7 subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I, I mentioned this before. I think we, we have an obligation here, Clay, as wiser, older gentlemen for the uh, the Gen Z folks and the younger millennials out there. You're Gen X, so that's a whole I'm other... I'm the last you're, year of Gen X. Yeah. Eight months I got in under the radar. You're, Last you're like great Gandalf. generation in American history. The, honestly, the generations that's saving right now America from going completely to hell. But, you know, I, I like to give some some advice out there to the, you know, to the whippersnappers who are coming up, the Gen Z folks and whatever is coming up below Gen Z. Um, and, and let them know that this idea, because, look, I, I understand if I was going through being in my early 20s again and there were people on college teams maybe already making millions of dollars because of the name and likeness thing, or even more common, I think, these days are you know YouTube influencers or TikTok influencers who are getting brand oh, yeah. deals. I mean, there, there, are, there are 19-year-old kids who are showing up at their campuses in a Lamborghini because they're selling, you know, some uh, young woman is selling... Some kind of, you know, hair care products or something on TikTok. I mean, this stuff is happening now. So grinding it out at a job doesn't sound very appealing to a lot of people right now. I can understand that, you know, the, the younger generation, but we're here to tell you that there are some strategies you should not, you should not deploy. And this reminds me, remember we talked about quiet quitting, which I referred to as the Wall Street Journal was, it was a front page article, of the Wall Street Journal about how post pandemic people were quiet quitting their jobs. And I was like, yes. This has existed for a long time. It's actually called slow firing, as in you are going to get fired eventually. Like this uh, this quiet quitting thing of doing the bare minimum always and refusing to ever go the extra mile. They're going to find somebody to replace you, most likely. But bare minimum Monday. Have you seen this is now a thing that after the weekend, people say, I'm just going to show up and do the absolute bare minimum I can get away with on Mondays. I I think this is bad. I think the opposite Sunday, you should be, obviously, you know, if it's uh, those of you who practice, it's a day of going for the, uh, going to church, day of the Lord, day of rest. But get ready for the week with moment. The worst, if you're going to do bare minimum, all I'm trying to say, Clay, is be bare minimum Thursday or bare minimum Friday. Bare minimum Monday, it's, this is like, this is like stumbling up there when you're getting your award on stage. This is the worst place to make the stumble. I know I'm getting to be an old man because there are so many people that I want to grab by the scruff of the neck and just like lift them up if I were strong enough to do that and be like, what are you doing with your life? It isn't that hard to be successful at a job. And the number of people that I see out and about who are like, I only work eight hours a day. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You're probably never going to be any good at anything, right? If you and, and my advice to everybody out there is if you are in your 20s, that is the time in your early 30s 
to absolutely bust your ass. Because sooner or later, you're probably going to have kids. And this is, Buck, this is, gonna be, this is good advice for you. Everybody thinks they're busy until they have kids. And then you realize that before you had kids, you were never actually that busy because you controlled your day. Kids are phenomenal, but they are incredible time vacuums. And so I admit, when I was in my 20s, I thought I was working hard before I had my first kid. And then I had my first kid, and I was like, holy hell, I had so much time. I can go to the gym. I can go out to dinner. I can go see a movie, and I didn't have to be scheduled like three months in advance. Buck, I've got guy friends. They'll text me every now and then. They're like, hey, can you get a beer on April 24th? And I'm like, dude, it's it's like February. <laughs> like, this is what happens when you have kids. You have to schedule things so far into the future. Work your asses off beforehand. And if you're only willing to work eight hours, you're going to fail, period. Oh, I only work eight hours. Okay, that's fine. You're never going to make any money and you're going to fail. It doesn't take that much right now because so many people are slackers out there to absolutely dominate it. Can I just say, I thought I was dropping the hammer and then Clay, get off my lawn, Travis. I am fired up. He just up takes about the this. dial to eleven. Actually, work, losers. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.